Okay, so uh, let's open up to John 8. So uh, today we're, we're doing a special thing. I'm, I'm just going to teach for a little while, maybe uh, 25, 30 minutes, and then I'm going to turn it over to Joel, uh, who's come to share his testimony today. So um, yeah, so let's open to John 8, and we're going to read... Um, I know that Jeff covered uh, a little bit of what we're going to read, but we're going to go back to verse 31 and read 31 through 47. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my, truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. 38. Um, yep, 38. Uh-huh. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you, have, and you do what you have heard from my father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, You are Abraham's children. Do the deeds of Abraham. But as it is, you are seeking to kill me, a man who has told me the truth, which I heard from God. This Abraham did not do. You were doing the deeds of the Father. We were not born of fornication. We had one Father, God. Jesus said to them, If God were your Father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and have come from God. For I have not even come of my own initiative. But he said, Why do you not understand what I am saying? It is because you cannot hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks, a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar, and the father of lies. But because I speak the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I speak truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears the words of God. For this reason, you do not hear them, because you are not of God. All right, thank you. So, the question we're facing today is... Who are God's children? Who are God's children? That's kind of the, the central question, the central issue of, of this text. What did the people in Jerusalem think? How would they have answered this question? Right. Yeah, they're like, we are. Because we're Abraham's children. We're Therefore, we are God's children. Right? So, yeah, so they thought they were the children of God, just by virtue of how they were born. Um, what, do, what do you hear people today say? You know, who, are, who are God's children? If you asked like a random person on the street, what do you think they'd say? Everyone, right? Yeah, everyone's God's child. Um, what, what, do you think, what do you think Jesus would say? I'll leave that question hanging, because that's what we're kind of going to look at right now. So... So we're going to go through Jesus' view on this question in John 8, right? Uh, 
So, first thing about Jesus' view, um, <clears throat> when he talks about uh, God as Father, he often says, my Father, right? He's, he's ta- uh, calling God my Father and doing it in a really like special way that indicates, hey, I have a special relationship with the Father, with God. Um, so, in some sense... Um, you know, Jesus is setting himself apart as the only natural child of God. Um, and we've seen that, you know, in earlier chapters of John. Um, that, uh, but, but it's evident here also in verses like uh, verse 38, when he says, I speak the things which I have seen with my father, therefore you also do the things which you heard from your father. So he's drawing this separation between himself, where he has... Uh, his father is God, and everyone else, where their father is the devil. Um, so, in Jesus' view, really, like only he, only Jesus is a natural child of God, right? Um, we can become children of God by being saved by Him, but we're adopted children. Right? Did you guys realize that that the Bible calls us adopted children of God? Um, Jesus is the only begotten Son of God, so Jesus would actually give a much more restricted answer um, than either the Jews of the first century or most people today. He would say, "Only, only I am a natural child of God." Um, so. Everyone else. So what? What about everyone else? What would he say? Um, who? Who uh, is the father of of other people? Yep. Yep. I mean, it's it's pretty it's pretty harsh, but this is this is Jesus's message. Remember, he's speaking to God's chosen people, right? Whatever he says that applies to the Jews applies even more so to the Gentiles. So what he's saying here, when he says that your father is the devil, um, you know, that's not, he's not just speaking about the Jews, he's speaking about all people, right? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So his view here really is that um, everyone else is a child of the devil and a slave to sin, that's kind of the other big theme of this passage is slavery and freedom, right? He's saying the truth will set you free. Free from what? Free from slavery to sin. Um, so <clears throat> look at verse 34. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. All right, so he contrasts slaves with sons. He's like, you guys are not sons of God. You are slaves to sin. And then in verse 44, he says, You are of your father the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So he calls them slaves of sin, and he calls them children of the devil. Um, And those words apply equally to, to Gentiles, including us before we were saved. Um, so that's kind of Jesus' view, right? It's a lot. It's a lot more stark than uh, than what we might find today in popular culture. So, what what does he cite as evidence for this? 
right? Our, so he doesn't just assert this, right? He doesn't just assert you all are children of the devil. Um, he actually brings some evidence and some arguments to bear. Like, what in this passage have you seen Jesus cites as evidence that we are, by nature, children of the devil and not of God? Yeah, that they want to kill him? They're, they're deeds, right? Yeah, where do you see that? Verse 40. Yep, but as it is, you are seeking to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. This Abraham did not do. Right, And that points back to verse 38, which says, I speak the things which I have seen with my father. Therefore, you also do the things which you've heard from your father. Right, so our deeds, yeah, our deeds do prove um, that, you know, whose children we are, right? Whether we're children of the devil or whether we've been saved and are children of God, our deeds. But it's not just our deeds, right? It's not, it's not just our outward external actions. What else do you see in this passage? Anybody see anything else that's evidence of our paternity, of, of who our Father is? Yeah, what verse is that? 45? Ah, yes. Um, yeah, inability to believe, right? Or I guess I would put that in this... I'm sorry? Believe and trust, yeah. And trust, yeah. Inability to believe, um, and I might also put here, right? Because um, there's the there's verse forty five that which you mentioned, but because I speak the truth, you do not believe me. Um, but look also at verse verse forty three. Why do you not understand what I'm saying? It is because you cannot hear my word. Right? It's an inability to, to understand and be convicted by and really follow the Word of God. That, that is something that Jesus is bringing as evidence that they're children of the devil. Um, and also check out verse 47. He who is of God hears the words of God. For this reason you do not hear them because you are not of God. Right, so... This is um, this is Jesus essentially saying, when you know before God draws us, before He saves us, we are dead in our sins. We do not even have the ability to hear His word in a sense, right? In the real sense of of hearing and understanding and being convicted by it and being able to obey. Um, so I'll write down forty three. 45, 47 for that one. All right, anybody see any other evidences uh, that Jesus brings that, uh, that the Jews, and by extension all people, are by nature children of Satan? Look at verse... Sorry? Um, uh, yeah, I think that fits pretty well with uh, with the deeds part, right? So our, our deeds, our evidence, um, our inability to hear and believe. Uh, look at verse 42. If God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and have come from God, for I have not even come on my own initiative, but he sent me. So what what evidence does that verse contain? Right, yeah, our lack of love... Uh, for Jesus. Lack of love for Jesus is evidence of 
being a child of the devil, right? And because he turns it around, he says, if God were your father, if you were a child of God, you would love who? Me. You would love me. Right? That's the test um, of, of a believer. That's one test of a believer. Do you love the Lord Jesus? Uh, you know, Paul says in Galatians, I think, that anyone let anyone who does not love the Lord Jesus be accursed. Um, so love, love is a huge part of it. Um, there's one more... Um, oops, sorry, that was 42. In verse 44, uh, there's one more thing that's kind of buried in, in verse 44. You are of your father the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. So <clears throat> what that also kind of suggests a, a piece of evidence that they're children of the devil. The one that we haven't covered yet here. Yeah, our desires, what we want to do. It's really connected to the love part, right? If we don't love Jesus, what do we love? We love ourselves. We love um, sin, right? We love to do the things that 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 Satan does, you know, which is basically, um, you know, exalting ourselves at the expense of God and others. So our desires. Okay, so these are these are the pieces of evidence that Jesus brings in his uh, his, his debate, his discourse with the crowd, to show them that they're actually children of the devil and not children of God like they think they are. And these are things we need to hear too, because it's easy for us, uh, you know, to grow up in a church, uh, to be born into a Christian family, and to think we're children of God by birth, like like the Jews thought. Um, but we need to look at ourselves like Jesus is saying. We need to examine our hearts. First, we need to examine our deeds, right? And see, are we producing the fruit uh, of works that come from being a child of God? But we need to go deeper than our deeds. We need to go into our hearts. Do we have the ability to hear God's word? You know, when you hear God's word, does it grab you? Uh, does it convict you? Uh, we need to look at our love for Jesus. Do you have a genuine love for Jesus? And this is something that has really uh, been on my heart and my mind for the last several years, even. You know, I'm, I sometimes look at my heart and I say, where is the love for Jesus? And I've been praying uh, for the last several years that God would just grow my affection and love for the Lord Jesus. And, you know, I, I take comfort in, in things like when Jesus said, um, even if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, like that is enough. You can move mountains, right? So it's not like we need to be totally complete in any of these areas in order to be a child of God. The point is that we're growing in all these things. Um, and I'm certainly still growing in my love for the Lord, and I have a long way to go in that. Um, but we just we need to be careful to examine ourselves and see what what's going on in our hearts. Are we growing in these areas, or do we have just complete deadness in these respects? You know, what are our desires pointing to? Do we desire to please the Lord, or do we primarily desire to to please man, to please our parents, to please our friends, our teachers, um, our bosses, whatever? Yeah, because each of these. 
Jesus is presenting as negative evidence against people that they're children of the devil. But when somebody's a child of God, each of these flips around and becomes a, a positive evidence that we're a child of God. Right? We do the deeds of God our Father. Uh, we hear and are convicted by and believe the word. We love the Lord Jesus and uh, our desires are pointed towards pleasing him. So, <clears throat> Jesus, he doesn't just, um, <clears throat> you know, preach the, the disease, so to speak, right? He also preaches the cure. And we're kind of taking this a little bit backwards. Like, he, he covers the disease in, um, you know, verses 39 through 47. But the cure is before that, in 31 through 38. Uh, <clears throat> there's, only, there's only one way to flip this around to go from being a child of the devil to being a child of God uh, or equivalently to go from being a slave to sin to being a free son in the family of God so what is that way according to this passage the only way to become a true child of God is to be set free and <clears throat> Jesus says a little bit about how we're set free um, like you said, Lily, by abiding in Jesus' word. That's in verse 31. Um, Jesus said, If you abide in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So there's this kind of, this kind of chain there, right? Abide in the word leads to what? What will happen to you if you abide in his word? You'll know the truth, right? Know the truth. And then what will that do to you? It'll set you free. Yeah. So this is 31 and 32. So, um, and then he sort of provides an overview of that whole thing in verse 36. If therefore the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Right, so, well, so here we've got kind of two pictures of how to be set free, how to become a child of God. Uh, you abide in His Word, and by doing that, you know the truth, and then you're set free. Right, it seems like, it seems like that's kind of a, a human-centric view of the process. But then we've also got verse 36, which says, If therefore the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. So that's kind of a God-level process, right? Uh, again, it's, you know, those of you who have been in this class for long enough know that I'm a big fan of seeing God-level processes and human-level processes operating at the same time, right? Um, so, is it God who sets us free? Absolutely. Jesus, the Son, has to set us free. We can't free ourselves on our own. But is there something that we need to do in the process of being set free? Yeah, abide in the Word, right? That's, that's the key here, is abiding in Jesus' Word. That's our part. By abiding in His Word, uh, that's how we know the truth, um, and then the, the truth will set us free. That is how the Son sets us free. Right, by giving us His Word, by uh, giving us the Holy Spirit to illuminate His Word in our minds so that we know the truth and are set free. So it's the work of Jesus. It's the work of God all the way through. But we also 
do work. We also abide in his word. Later in John, in um, chapter 15, Jesus picks up that same theme and develops it a lot further. Um, that's the, the chapter where he says, I'm the vine and you are the branches. Uh, so abiding, it really, it just um, looks, literally the word just means to, to stay, right? To remain, uh, to not depart, not go away or be cut off. So um, there's, there's a sense in which, uh, I mean, to go through this would, would take a long time if we were to do it exhaustively, but uh, there's a sense in which this, this word abide is almost passive. I don't, I don't want to lean too heavily on that, but it's, it's not like we have to go out and conquer new territory. It's just that, you know, once the Father draws us, um, what we, what, what is our activity is to remain where he put us, right? And not to fall away. If you look at what's happened, uh, to Jesus's followers before this, like in John six, when he gave the, uh, the discourse on that I am the bread of life, you know, and you need to eat of my flesh and drink my blood to have life in you. What did most of his disciples do? when they heard that. Yeah, they fell away. It says they, they turned away and were not walking with him anymore. Did they abide? No, that's the opposite of abiding, right? Being offended, taking offense at Jesus's words, uh, saying like, ah, no, I just can't accept this and turning around and leaving. Like that, that is the opposite of abiding. What did the 12 do though? When Jesus came to them and said, what, well, are you gonna leave me too? They say, yeah, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. The words of eternal life, right? They abided in his words by staying with him. Right, so uh, I, guess, I guess what I'm saying here is that um, this idea of abiding is, it's not, I mean, we, we tend to think of like, oh, am I doing my quiet times, right? Like, am I having daily devotions? And... and we, we think of that like, of how well am I doing in my daily devotions as a measure of our abiding? And, you know, that's helpful. But I think the real test of abiding is when there's a trial, when, when, you, uh, when your faith is challenged, do you stay with Christ or do you leave? That's the real test of abiding. Um, <clears throat> and lest anybody get the picture that... Uh, that this kind of abiding and this salvation is a work of man. Uh, it's not. Let's turn to Ephesians. Uh, Ephesians 2. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 5. Because in these five verses, it kind of encapsulates everything Jesus is saying here. Um, so first I'm going to read verses 1 through 3. Um and think about this question, who are God's children? What makes someone a child of God? Okay, Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. He's talking to the Ephesian church here. He says, you, believers, were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. 
sons of disobedience, right? We're talking about children. Among them, we too all formerly lived. Now Paul's including himself in this. We too all formerly lived among them in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of what? Of wrath, even as the rest. So, Paul, like Jesus, is putting everyone in this bucket of being a child of wrath, a child of the devil, uh, a child of disobedience. Right? That is, that's exactly in line with what Jesus is saying here, proved by all these things. That's the bad news. The good news, the good news, which is in verses 4 and 5, is that God loves his children even before they are his children. Right? So look at verses 4 and 5. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. So, even when we were children of wrath, children of disobedience, children of the devil, that is when God loved us and made us alive together with Christ. So God loved us even before we were his children. We didn't have to abide in his word first before he would love us and make us his children. So don't get the order of these things confused. God's action comes first. God's regenerating of us comes first. And he gets all the glory for saving us. Our abiding fits inside of that. It fits inside of God's regenerating us and making us alive together with Christ. Uh, getting the order of that is really important. Any questions or observations from from this section here? I was going to say that even in, uh, in John, mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh. <laughs> no, I was just saying that it's right there because in verse 33 it says, They answer him, We are offspring of Abraham, and they have never been enslaved to anyone. How is that that you say you will become free? And then 34 says, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever, the son remains forever, and so on and so forth. And right there, he's just going to other passages, pointing out, like, abiding, abiding. And if you don't abide, you are practicing sin, because you're not abiding in Christ, and you're not um, obeying the word that he's given you, and the commands that he's given you. Um, and so you're not free. You're yeah. a slave to sin. Right. Exactly, yeah. I mean, Jesus' view, as captured by John, is really simple. It's like, you either practice righteousness by abiding in the truth, or you practice sin because you're a slave to sin. And those things, you know, over time, those two groups get get more and more separated as their desires lead them in different directions. Yeah, any other observations or... Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah, what if God had waited for us to make the first move? How many children would he have? Zero. Well, one, but yeah. <laughs> Zero. None of, no adopted sons. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jesus has, um, has already said, I think, in, um, in chapter 6, either, it's either 6 or 10, uh, where he says, um, the Father has, has given sheep into my hand and nobody can snatch them out of my hand. Right? So, so even the abiding is, is a work of God. It's it's just that it's a work of God and it's a work of us, right? There are two uh, there are two layers of causal explanation for the process of abiding, and they're both they're both operative. Um, God saves us, God keeps us, uh, but then on the human level, it feels like we we make a decision to follow Him, and we it feels like we are working hard to remain in His love and and abide in His word. That's all enabled by the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, I don't want to take too much time away. Um, 